Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. But how many of you know we need to not be in a hurry when we're in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. So during worship, God kept saying faith and understanding. And when we were over here praying for our brother, I was reminded that Jesus constantly said whenever he performed a miracle or a healing, just so many times, and you can go back and look, he would say, your faith has made you whole. And how many of you know Jesus was the wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth? I also heard the word understanding. Who was the second wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth? Solomon. And if you go through Proverbs over and over and over, he says, in all you're getting, get understanding. So the Lord put this teaching on my heart a long time ago. And every now and then he brings me to it. He adds to it. I'm going to do my best to get through this quickly without rushing uh, we've got quite a bit of scripture. Um, I'm going more of the teacher type. Um, I take a lot of notes. When I sit down to prepare for teachings, God begins to download things into me. Well, that don't mean I might not get off on a little church rant every now and then, uh, a preacher rant. Um, you know, my my wife calls me pedantic. So if you know what that means. I like to elaborate a lot. So I'll try to control that. I think it's a gift, but, you know, whatever. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God and the keys to the kingdom. So why are we here, right? If it was all about salvation, we all would have had our own little mini rapture. And the minute we gave ourselves to Jesus, we'd be gone. So God left us here and put a calling on a purpose on each and every one of us. And that is not to just come to church and sit in a pew and then go about our business throughout the week. How many of you ever heard the term, let's advance the kingdom? Okay, so if we're going to advance the kingdom, we must have an understanding of how and what the kingdom is. How do we advance the kingdom? What is the kingdom? So hopefully I can break that down and we can all get a great understanding and understand some of the tools God has given us to get where we need to be. So the only thing that impacts eternity is advancing the kingdom of God. Amen? And when we bring about healing, when we bring about teachings, when we bring about preaching. All of those things advance the kingdom of God. More than anything else is how we treat and we love others. How we do unto others. Amen? What are the two greatest commandments? We all know them. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people, are you his people? Are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And you could go on to say that we are destroyed for a lack of knowledge and understanding. And he goes on to say that this will impact our children and our grandchildren. So you and I have a responsibility, maybe even more importantly, an incredible opportunity to break off generational curses of people not having the knowledge of God. It goes just beyond, it goes beyond the anointing, but also a natural and spiritual understanding of the opportunity that we have. And I'm believing that I'm breaking generational curses from my family line for years and years to come. Because I can tell you, nobody has done it up to this point. So, you know, in 2 Timothy 3, 7, it talks about the end times. It says, in perilous times, all of these people will become uh, lovers of selves, boasters, proud. But I want to focus on one, one verse, and it says, 2 Timothy 
3.7, and it says that these people are always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So when we find ourselves backsliding, when we find ourselves in a position where we're not where we used to be or we're not advancing like we know we should, we've got to understand that maybe we're learning, maybe we're in the Bible, but we're not getting that understanding that we need to have the knowledge of the truth. So I think our goal here today is to create an environment to experience God's kingdom through biblical living. God, I believe, is calling the church to transition from this church mindset, not forsaking the assembly, don't get me wrong, okay, but to a kingdom mindset, a mindset that involves him in everything that everything we do is to advance the kingdom of heaven. Every thought, word, and deed with the kingdom of heaven at the top of our minds and at the forefront of our thoughts and our hearts. This is what God, I believe, has called us to do. Does anybody agree with that? Amen. Amen. So the kingdom of heaven is the most godly environment that exists. And we live in it. It lives in us. Scripture will show us so much about the kingdom of heaven this morning that hopefully we get that understanding that will actually build our faith. Amen? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It doesn't say faith comes by hearing the word of God. So if we're hearing the wrong things, can we put our faith in the wrong things? Amen. So the more we're hearing the word of God, the more godly faith we're going to have. That's what we need, people. Because when we start putting our faith in our own abilities, in somebody else, in our spouses even, in the government, as he said earlier, in our pastors. That's not how it's supposed to be. So there's three areas that I believe God wants to share with us this morning. So I want to try to break it down. First of all, the Lord's Prayer. The second of all is the kingdom of heaven. And then third is the keys to a kingdom advancing lifestyle. Let's, if you could uh, turn to me with a, to Luke 11, 1 through 4. New King James. <clears throat> it says, Now it came to pass as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth as it is where? In heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Now, how many times do you think the disciples that heard Jesus pray? Hundreds. Why in this, sometimes I wonder, and this is a little off track, but sometimes I wonder, in this instance, was Jesus praying in the Holy Spirit? Was Jesus praying in tongues and they just didn't get it? Because they could not pray in tongues until they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit didn't come till Jesus went away. But anyway, Jesus had to answer them, so he gave them what we call the model prayer. Amen? We hear it recited over and over and over. And I don't believe this is the, you know, this is what we get up and we pray and we go. I believe this gives us a guideline of how to pray. It gives us every element 
that should be involved in our prayer life. <clears throat> Excuse me. So here are a few. Our Father, which speaks of what? Relationship. He's our Father. He's our Father. And then it says, the Father is in heaven, which is a location not to separate us from God, but to draw us closer to Him through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We have access to heaven. Number three is hallowed. We, spoke, we talked about it back there. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that word fear does not mean to be scared. If you look it up in the Hebrew and the Greek, it both says, both of them say to revere. Does everybody understand what revere means? To acknowledge his holiness, to acknowledge how great he is, and to acknowledge that he is God and we are not. He is holy and only he can make us holy. If we don't get that, then we're always going to operate at this level of pride and arrogance that's going to maintain a separation of some degree from us and God. God gives grace to who? The humble. But he resists the proud. The last thing we want to do, to do is have God resist us. <clears throat> His kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we already know that the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is something God wants to establish here on the earth. And he can only do that through you and I, the believers. We are the ones who are called to bring his will into fruition on earth. Forgiveness. This is the foundation, the very foundation of the kingdom. We cannot advance the kingdom in our lives without forgiveness. Now, some of us have some issues in our heart with unforgiveness, whether it be a parent, a sibling, somebody who did you wrong, a former pastor, a former parishioner, a former friend, an ex-wife, an ex-husband, whoever or whatever that is you're holding on to, you will not advance in the kingdom until you get forgiveness in your heart. And trust me, it is not about a feeling. I've been through it many, many times. It is a decision that you make. It is a decision that you continue to confess and you continue to, to make a decision, I am going to forgive. And then, like you said, many things are a process. But you must stay in the process. And then before you know it, you have no problem praying for this person. You actually start to have empathy, not sympathy, empathy for this person, understanding that we were all once there. We were all once there. The Bible teaches us that. Provision, our daily bread, spiritual and natural. God is our provider. Amen? So it's okay to pray for provision. It's part of the model prayer. And then number eight, deliverance and protection from evil. We are to pray that's spiritual warfare, people. Kings and priests. We talked about kings having authority. We talked about kings decreeing certain things. We know the centurion, centurion soldier who had authority said, I tell them to go here, I tell them to go there, and they do it. Why? He had authority. King, we are kings and priests under God. Jesus has made us kings and priests. It's in Revelation. Look it up. And a king not only has authority, but a king is a warrior. And he is royalty. We must always remember that about ourselves. Even when we mess it up, we are royalty. 
We have authority and we must decree. I've been guilty of not doing that way too many times. So the kingdom of heaven, and also when you, when you research your Bible, which I hope you do after this, and the kingdom of God, I believe, are interchangeable and always connected. This is incredibly important for us to understand and walk in balance while we are here on earth. Not hyper-spiritual religious nuts that nobody takes seriously that come across as superior, legalistic, bound by the letter, and puffed up. Instead of walking in the Spirit in freedom, legalism actually causes us to walk in fear, pride, unforgiveness. This is someone who is firmly in the grasp of Satan. Yes, believers can be in the grasp of Satan to disrupt the church and hinder us from completing the mandate on our lives. A better understanding and awareness of the kingdom of God will help us to walk in the spirit as opposed to the flesh. Now, this requires great humility because we must truly look in the mirror not the mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all. No, the mirror of God. The mirror reflects that reflects we are complete in him. But the mirror also helps us with our flaws. Why? God wants us to help us correct our flaws. But more importantly, it keeps us humble. Humility is the key to accessing the kingdom of heaven. God clearly says he gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. If you know you have pride in your life, and I don't know anybody that doesn't have some, that's something we have to be working on. The Bible says if we say we have no sin... We're liars. Let's not get caught in that trap. James 1.22 through 24, New King James Version, says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Oh, so many times we want to say, The devil deceived me. That person deceived me. So-and-so deceived me. <laughs> right here it says, if we're a hearer only and not a doer, we deceive ourselves. We actually do the enemy's job for him. <laughs> and he sits back and laughs. Gets a kick out of it. Look at that fool. I ain't got to worry about him today. He's kicking his own butt. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. That's what happens when you are a hearer and not a doer. Our actions matter. Our words matter. While some believe and even teach that the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are referring to two different things, after much study personally, it is clear to me that both phrases are referring to the same thing. And I'm going against a lot of theological minds when I say this, but let me try to back it up. The phrase of kingdom of God occurs 68 times in 10 different New Testament books, while kingdom of heaven occurs 32 times and only in the Gospel of Matthew. Based on Matthew's exclusive use of the phrase and the Jewish nature of his Gospel, some interpreters have concluded that Matthew was writing concerning the Millennial Kingdom, while the other New Testament authors were referring to the Universal Kingdom. One was talking about the Kingdom to come, one was talking about the Kingdom that is here now. Amen? That's what they think. Let me see if I can help you here. However, I believe a closer study of, and the use of the phrases reveals that this interpretation is in error. This is referring to, in both instances, the universal kingdom of God in heaven, 
which are not mutually exclusive from the, the, this kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, but they are rather one and the same. Let me give you a quick example. Uh, I don't know if I gave you this scripture, but it's in Matthew chapter 19. So, for example, speaking to the rich young ruler, everybody know that story? Christ uses the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God interchangeably. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of what? Heaven. And then in the very next verse, Christ proclaims, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich man to enter the kingdom of what? God. Jesus makes no distinction between the two terms, but seems to consider them synonymous. Mark and Luke use kingdom of God, where Matthew used kingdom of heaven frequently. And I've got them all written down if you want them, uh, get with me after church. In parallel accounts of the same parables, if you compare multiples, Matthew 11, 11 through 12, versus Luke 7, 28, I can go on and on. But they're both referring to the same principles, and because of the Jewish background of Matthew, he refers to the kingdom of God, while the others refer to the kingdom of heaven. So you and I are living in parallel worlds. You and I are double agents operating in two separate realms. That's why it's so important we don't come off as lunatics. That balance where we can give God glory, we can pray for people, You'd be amazed how many unbelievers will take prayer, right? But if we pray, you know, if the, we ask the unbeliever, hey, can I pray for you? And he says, yeah, and we lay hands on his forehead and start speaking in tongues and pushing backwards. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's going to come around, right? He's going to turn around and run or get, or get up and kick my butt. But, but anyway, so we have to use wisdom, right? God gives us the spirit of discernment. He lets us know who we're speaking to. He shows us things if we'll slow down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we have to listen to this person first. Right. right? The two ears, one mouth thing. Yeah. Instead of just start preaching yeah. the truth. Yeah. Even though it's the truth, if we don't, get a, if we don't listen and hear and get an understanding of where they're coming from, then we, that spirit of discernment cannot kick in. We've got to hear what's going on in this person's life. What's hindering them. And many times what they're telling us is hindering them, we can read between the lines. Because they don't want to, they don't want to fully expose themselves. There's a trust issue. They don't trust God how are they going to trust us? So sometimes relationships will take time before you get that breakthrough with the unbeliever in your life. And many of you, I don't know, I have some children that are building their testimonies and I'm waiting, but I have to be careful because I will push them away. I tell many people, you know, I, I deserted my children. I was a drug addict. Uh, I was, I'm a 17-time convicted felon. And when I first got saved and I experienced freedom, God instantly delivered me from alcohol, drugs, profanity, lust. I don't know why he didn't go ahead and take pride and arrogance out. He's been working on that for 17 years. But he instantly took that away. Cigarettes, three packs a day had no desire for any of that stuff anymore. That's deliverance. Amen? But then there's the process of dealing with all the other stuff in our lives. 
But I believe I did more damage to the relationship with my children in the first year I was saved than I did in the years prior because I tried to shove the Bible down their throat. All with the right intentions because I just wanted them to experience what I was experiencing. And I still want that with all of my heart. But you know what? God's timing, their free will, we're planting the seeds, God will bring the increase. Amen? So let's look, take a look at Jesus expressing the importance of this kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. If we look at Luke 7, 28, it says, For I say to you, among, and, and if you read the, 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 some of the passage before this, it's talking about John the Baptist paving the way, um, the voice in the wilderness, and so on. But Jesus says this, he says, For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So he tried to give this away back there to some of you. But how many miracles did John the Baptist perform? Not one. I mean, Elijah called down fire from heaven on soaking wet wood. Moses hit a rock and, I mean, water came out. Split the Red Sea. Elijah was taken away in a chariot. But John the Baptist is the greatest? Why? I believe one of the reasons is he was the one who was making a way in the wilderness. I think that's a huge part and element of it. But there's something else that Jesus and John had in common that I want to dive into right now. So I believe John was the greatest because he was the first to introduce and understand the kingdom of heaven. If you know John the Baptist, basically all he ever said, other than brood of vipers, I think, and a couple other things, was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was the first prophet to get an understanding of the new covenant that was to come. God had revealed this to him ahead of time. He leaped in the womb when Mary came and Jesus was close. This cat knew something from birth. Amen? I mean, he knew something before he was even born. And he was a loco. He lived out in the wilderness. Right? Locusts and honey and camel hair. I guess he thought he was Jacob for a minute. Anybody catch that? Okay. See, the new covenant and the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God are our birthright right now a place which we have access to and can receive all that is good from the Father. And we ask access the realm based on our understanding of the two realms and how we are to operate simultaneously in both. Matthew 3, 1 says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if we go back and we look at Matthew 4.17, and you can check some of the other Gospels, but if you look at Matthew 4.17, it appears to me that as soon as Jesus came out of the wilderness in his battle with the devil, this was the first thing he said. Now go back and study it and see if you can prove me wrong. From that time... This is after he left the wilderness. It says, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The beginning 
of his ministry, of his preaching, the very first thing that came out of his mouth, I believe, was repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So here's Jesus, the goat. The greatest of all time. Amen? He's the goat. Not Jerry Rice or Tom Brady. Not even close. And John the Baptist, a goat in his own right. Amen? Both preaching the exact same thing. In fact, no matter what subject matter you study or teach, it'll always come back to repent. The kingdom is at hand. It's here, it's available, and it's awesome. So let's just take a quick look at breaking down repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I think we all understand what at hand means. Jesus and John were saying, listen, something's about to give. Something's about to break. Something's about to change. He told the disciples, it's good that I go away because if I don't go away, then the helper cannot come. So they're saying something's about to change, people. You got to get ready. You got to get ready. And he taught all these parables trying to convince people. And he convinced a lot. But many just shunned him away. Why? Lack of faith. Why? Traditions of men. Why? Spirit of religiosity. Come on, I don't know about you. I didn't grow up in a church, so the spirit of religion was never an issue for me. Legalism and some things like that, yeah, big time. But I didn't have to come out of these traditions and learn new things. All I got to experience was Jesus setting me free. Really? And if you ever feel like you're not qualified to preach or to share, that's all you got to do. Say, listen, I may not know the Bible that well, but let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. Because that's where the power lies. So the word repent. Man, I used to hear that word when I did go to church from time to time. And all I could think about when somebody said repent was somebody pointing their finger at me and says, you need to stop what you're doing and start doing the right thing. You're a fool and you're an idiot and it's going to lead to trouble. You'll be in jail one day. You're just like your brother. Not to pick on you, I just... But you know what? Nobody taught me what repent meant. Because I thought I was just supposed to change the things I was doing and do the right thing. But I couldn't. Why? Let's see if we can figure that out. It comes from the Greek word matineo. The number one definition is to change one's mind. Now, if somebody would have told me that, just maybe, I was pretty stubborn and on a, on a bad path, but maybe, just maybe, if someone had told me this is about the way I'm thinking, it says to change one's, number two is to change one's mind for better, hardly to amend with abhorrence of one's past sins. Repent is to acknowledge the horrible things we've done in the past, the things that offend God, the things that have hurt people, the things that we have done to hurt ourselves. It is to think about those things and turn from them. Not justify them. Well, if he hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done that. 
well, I didn't really do that. Well, I didn't mean to say it that way. I didn't mean to hurt you. You misunderstood me. No, I came off with the wrong perception. No, I should have said that differently. No, I was being selfish and self-centered and all I cared about was me and what you could do for me. That was a tough thing to face for me. I used to always say, boy, if you, if you told me I didn't love my children, we'd be brawling. When I came to repent, I recognized that I never loved my children. I had the, the, the filios love, the warm, fuzzy feelings, but I didn't have the agape love, the only one that really, really counts, the one that lasts for eternity because love is an action. The things that I do prove whether I love you or not. I can say it all day long. Very good. I'm very manipulative that way. But what I've already created an action that shows that I don't love you, I can't come back and use filios as a way of manipulating, which I've done many times. So in other words, you got to, what guy used to say this to me when I was in jail? He says, you only have to change one thing. Everything. <laughs> so you got to change the way you think about people. You got to change the way you think about your past and maybe even more importantly, your future. You have to change the way you think about God himself. You have to change the way you think about God's word and his ways. You have to change the way you think about sin. You have to change the way you think about freedom. You have to change the way you think about Jesus. You have to change the way you think about Holy Spirit. And one that's not on here is you have to change the way you think about suffering. Some of us have Joseph callings on our lives. Some of us have Jacob callings on our lives. And we're going to look at other people and we're going to see them seemingly cruising through the Christian life. When I turned 50 years old, this thing started to break down. I've had three total knee replacements on my way to a fourth in a month, less than a month, I've had triple bypass surgery, four stents. It's been a whirlwind. And it's been very difficult for me to embrace that suffering. It has been a six or seven year process. But at some point, I've got to fully embrace the limp that God has given me. And now, my focus is more on the glorified body that I'm going to get. Amen? Because I'm well over halfway, people. I'm 57. I know I don't look it. It's a shock to most of you. Why are you laughing? But I'm more than halfway. I'm more than halfway. I'm getting closer. Every birthday is I'm one birthday closer to getting my glorified body and meeting Jesus face to face. So I do need to start treating this thing better, that's for sure. As you can see, and my wife can attest, you don't have to say anything. So our perspective, our inter interpretation of almost everything we've learned, been taught, or talked ourselves into, We've got to evaluate. Are we thinking with a kingdom mindset? Amen? 
to the word kingdom. Let's break that down. Royal power, kingship, dominion, rule. That's what a kingdom consists of. Of the royal power, listen to this. Of the royal power and dignity conferred on Christians. Are you a Christian? In the Messiah's kingdom. Come on, if that, bird, if that definition doesn't get you excited, I'm, I don't know what will. Of the royal power and dignity conferred on Christians in the Messiah's kingdom. It also says it's a kingdom, the territory subject to the rule of the king. Used in the New Testament to refer to the reign of the Messiah. Does the Messiah reign? Then the universal kingdom of heaven and God is here and now. Amen? We just got to figure out how to spend more time in that heavenly realm than we do in this natural realm. And as Joyce Meyer says, this is where the battle's at. Amen? Heaven comes from the term Uranus. It's the region above the sidereal heavens, the seat of order of things eternal and consummately perfect where God dwells and other heavenly beings, that's me and you, the Bible says that we are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. And it says, but God, somebody say, but God. I had to do it. I had to do it once. Who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us, past tense, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are in the heavenly realm. We are in the kingdom of heaven. Our spirit man is there. Our spirit man has to be trained to rule the natural man and the soul. And I can attest to you, whatever you feed is going to become the dominant figure of your being. Amen? Amen. So this realm that coexists with this natural realm is only accessible to those in relationship with the way, capital W, which leads to truth, which when we put into action leads to Zoe. Jesus said the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come to bring life and life more abundantly. That word life, when you look it up in the Greek, it comes from the word zoe, Z-O-E, and it means to have an abundant life in Christ Jesus, joy. It's not about more cars, more trucks, bigger houses, bigger churches, nicer sound systems. It's about life in here. Amen? So saved or not, the kingdom of heaven is the primary realm. It is where the perfect order of God reigns. And we as believers have access. And we become more in tune with his will, his kingdom, and his power. We also understand we have access to that power when and only when we work and live according to his order and his way. Psalms 23 says that there's been a table set in the presence of our enemies. That's not in the natural realm. We can only get to that table through the spiritual realm. Right? The Bible says if you want to plunder the strong man's goods, in other words, what he's taken from you, then you must bind him. It's powerful. It's, it's spiritual warfare. I'm going to close with this scripture. 
Galatians 5, 16 through 21. These are some major hindrances to accessing the kingdom. Paul says to the Galatians, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How many times are we fighting to not fulfill the lust of the flesh? But that's not what it says. It says, walk in the spirit. And what's it say? And you shall not. The Ten Commandments are made up of shall nots. So we become sin conscience. Sin consciousness leads to condemnation, guilt, unworthiness. But Paul says, walk in the Spirit. In other words, that's where the focus needs to be, not on all the things we're doing wrong. When we, get, when we do something wrong, we quickly repent, but we don't dwell on it, beat ourselves up over it, condemn, bring ourselves self-condemnation because there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Then you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh, flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. These realms are totally opposite. This realm is full of evil, selfishness, pride, arrogance. The soulish realm, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. His kingdom is filled with love, kind words, a giving heart. If we struggle with those things, then we know what realm we're operating in. We've got to understand this. He goes on to say, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The law brings condemnation. The Spirit brings life. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Now Paul pointed this out for a reason. So we know which realm we're operating in, right? We all know the fruit of the Spirit. If we're operating in the fruit of the Spirit, if that's evident in our life, then we know which realm is dominating our lives. Amen? But if the other realm, this realm, this natural realm, this perishing realm, then it says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery. And that's not just the action of adultery. Remember, Jesus raised the bar. If you even say raka to your brother, you have committed murder. So if you've never had an evil thought towards someone, if you've never looked at another person with lust in your eyes, well then, I don't know what you're doing here. But the Bible says if we commit one, we commit them all. So we can never look at somebody else's sin and say, well, I, at least I don't do that. Well, I've never done that. He doesn't say any of these are worse than others. But they're evident, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, which is gossip, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You can't operate in both realms unless you're doing either the works of the flesh, 
you're going to be in that realm or you're operating in the Spirit. When you're operating in the Spirit, you're operating in both realms according to God's will. But it says, and the like. What is the like? I believe the like is pride, arrogance, unforgiveness, pornography, illicit drugs, subscription drug abuse. Family, we must remember that we are all master manipulators. We are master manipulators, especially those of us who operated in the drug and criminal world. No matter how holy we think we are. So the kingdom of God and and or the kingdom of heaven started the day the Holy Spirit became available. I've met some sweet, sweet Christians and I've come to find out that a lot of them had some really troubling things. But I believe without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's a much harder battle because we receive power when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that's emphasized enough in the church. So in closing, we must quit looking at the kingdom as another place, as a place to come. But we must come to this strong conviction that it is here and it is now. The Bible says faith is now faith is. The song we listened to said here again. Can't go back. Have no idea what tomorrow holds, but he promised he would meet us here and now. That's where our focus has to be. Now faith is. Now is when we operate in faith. It's all around us. The kingdom of heaven is all around us. And the Bible says that it's even within us. Those are the words of Jesus. It doesn't come with a vision through the natural eyes. It must be seen by faith. It must be acknowledged. And it must be acted upon. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.